0: Greetings. This is Justin Allen with the Elite Nurse Practitioner. Welcome to the Elite Nurse Practitioner Show, a podcast dedicated to nurse practitioner entrepreneurism and achieving financial freedom, where I talk directly with nurse practitioners who need help. Listen up our market is saturated, jobs can be scarce. We are underpaid, we are undervalued. We are taken advantage of by the sharks within the healthcare system. And frankly, screw that. I'm sick of it. And it's time for a change. And listen, I'm here to help make that happen. We are powerful. We can forge a path where we are in control of our career and ultimately our financial and personal well-being. You do not need to submit to healthcare administrators and your doctor overlords. You do not have to take the measly salary. You do not have to work 50 to 60 hours a week. There is a different way and I'm here to show you that path. This podcast is Raw and Unfiltered. I have not talked to nurse practitioners in this podcast prior to the call outside of an email exchange to schedule the episode. What you're about to listen to is a consultation session between a nurse practitioner and myself. It is real, it is unscripted, it is unplanned, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Anything and everything can happen during our conversation. The nurse practitioners in these episodes are struggling with an issue in their professional or financial life, and they have reached out to me for help. My goal is to help the nurse practitioner with actionable advice that will enhance and improve their professional, business, and financial life. My other goal is to hopefully help my nurse practitioner sisters and brothers build a more productive, powerful, and free life. So, I hope the content and information within these podcast episodes does just that. All right, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Today we'll be talking to Terry, who is a family nurse practitioner. Currently, he works at a hospital based urgent care full time. Currently, he is in the startup phase of opening a men's health clinic. He has the basic setup, but he is needing assistance with understanding the operational back end of the practice, the patient flow of a practice, clearing up some regulatory considerations, and needing to know when the time is to pull the trigger on finally opening. Hey, Terry, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, no, thanks for hopping on here. So uh, so let's go ahead and just jump into this. So how long have you been a nurse practitioner for? And what kind of things you've been doing?
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, I've been a nurse practitioner since uh, 2015. Um, so about coming on nine years now. And uh, I first started out a year of primary care and decided uh didn't want to do that very long and did some uh, skilled nursing facility rounding down um, in in California and then um, went into sleep medicine for a few years, actually. Then I've Came from, uh, went from that and then to the um, urgent care system that I'm in now. And I've been here for four years. I've been um, the medical director for two years and uh, a full-time uh, nurse practitioner seen, you know, wound to him, as they say, um, for four years total. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're working urgent care right now. How long have you been in that setting? Yeah, I've been almost four years now. Four years, right? Okay. Do you, like, are you enjoying it or? Yeah, it's challenging. It's definitely getting busier. This is a really busy area. It's a really um it's coastal, so it gets a lot in the summer. It really blows up you know during the holidays it blows up with tourists. Um so it definitely stays really really busy. Uh, yeah. and we have three different energy cares along the coastline, so it's um definitely challenging for sure most. Uh, I I it's kind of funny. I I was the only full-time um employee except for some locums for the longest time because most people were part-time because it's 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 pretty hard work.
0: Yeah, man. Urgent care is, uh, it is, it's tough work. (laughs) How many, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many patients do you see on,
1: you know, typically on a busy day? Yeah, on a busy day, um, 35 by myself with one MA, for example. Yeah. So Yeah. So that's if there's two, like we can get through a little bit easier or more. Sometimes we have a flow provider that helps out like four hours in each clinic.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, man. I, th- uh, there was I was working at I mean, it was routine during flu season to be 70 or 80 by yourself. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. 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 There's, there are, I hear numbers like that. We, um, we can work people up quite a bit too in our, we don't do CT scan, but we can do imaging and blood work and like, we can get an ultrasound sometimes and things like that. So we keep people sometimes for a couple hours. Oh, cool. So you do pretty much, uh, some very kind of basic
0: ER workups really. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, Okay. So uh, I assume you are kind of just getting sick working for other people.
1: Yeah. That's uh, after my eyes got opened, you know, to some of this stuff. um, I had a friend who has now three um, aesthetics practices, brick and mortar. um, And she told me about your, you know, your website and, and podcasts and things probably two years ago. And so, you know, I wrote her, a while back. I was like, what's that guy's name and website again? So I just kind of, he's kind of snowballed from there to kind of getting excited and getting uh, motivated to try something on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, good for you. Uh, you saw the
0: light. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, yeah. 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 It's the only, uh, it's the only way to, it's the only way to practice, man. It, it, it really is. I couldn't imagine, um, I couldn't imagine working for someone else or especially in an urgent care ever again. I, I won't. I, I just won't.
1: <laughs> yeah. I hope we'll be in that place. Um, someday I, I do see the like silly, you know, I mean, I, you know, i make pretty good money and stuff like that for urgent care, um, for this area. And, uh, it's, you know, it's challenging and also rewarding, but I'm, I definitely want to go out on my own. I, I kind of my whole family are a bunch of, um, entrepreneurs, I guess. So okay. I knew eventually I would probably go this way. Yeah. 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 It's in your blood. It's interesting that you mentioned the ceiling thing. Yeah, I mean, there is a
0: obvious career ceiling being an nurse practitioner. Yeah, there's like
1: pretty you can't really do a whole lot. You don't have a lot to say. Like, I'm I'm 44 going on 45, and you know, in 10 years, I'm still going to be told what to do. You know, like by the administration and stuff. And you know, they're 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 fine working with working with him, but you know, I'm not going to be able to have a seat at the table. Right, exactly.
0: What else can you do? You know, you just see patients yeah. basically. You might move into an administrative position possibly at some point, but I mean, still, how much further can you really go? You know, yeah, without being like, you know, becoming some sort of really high end CEO or something, just killing yourself. That doesn't sound fun.
1: No.
0: Um, yeah. So, okay, cool. All right, so, you want to start your own practice? So, it sounds like you want to open up a mental clinic. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, yeah. After, you know, listening to all your podcasts and doing some research and kind of doing some market research around here and seeing what there is and isn't, and there is not very much. There's a lot of opportunity here. I thought that that'd be a good uh entrance, you know, and start since after I bought your course, listening to that and kind of studying, studying those slides and things three or four times, at least by now, probably more. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I can get a grasp of this. I think I can, I think it's something I could do. Dude, if you could do urgent care, you could do men's health. <laughs> okay. I hope so. Yeah. There's definitely, I'm like, how do you say that babe? Like,
0: <laughs> like What is that? Yeah, it's uh men's health is so easy. It, it's it's one of the easier niches. Weight loss is pretty easy too. Like this stuff
1: isn't mm-hmm. rocket science, you know. Okay, okay. Yeah, awesome.
0: yeah. I mean, if you got a good basic clinical sense to you, you know, good basic foundations. I mean, you obviously know how to read blood work. You obviously know how to work a patient up. Like you got this stuff down. Like you'll move into men's health and it'll just it'll just click. I mean, this should not be a problem for you at all okay i found working up an abdominal pain in the er uh to be more complex than working up being a men's health patient i've ever worked up (laughs) yeah yeah, not much to it so you should be good there so uh okay so you took the course you got the basic understanding of everything so uh i believe you mentioned that you kind of just have the basic setup so tell me what uh what you have set up at this point
1: yeah, sure thing. So um, in order of also kind of what you recommend, I'm um, in Oregon. I am an independent, um, you know, practice practitioner. I can I can open up a business without any sort of collaboration or agreement. So that, so that makes it a little bit easier and more affordable. Um, I have created the LLC and the name. Um, I have gotten the federal EIN number I have a graphic designer um working on the logo, which is pretty much done. And the website is about three quarters done as well. Um, so that's been fun. And I, I went ahead and went with somebody to help me with that. Um, you know, your course says, you know, make your own. And sometimes I listen to your podcast and it says, you know, have somebody help you with it. So um I went ahead and had somebody help me with it because I have a little bit of fun saved up. Yeah, and I've got the EMR, I'm going with Optimantra. And I got the yeah, I got the online business checking account and a credit card. Business credit card account. Um, I've been looking at rental spaces several. I have some questions about that for you. Okay. Okay. And I've got some I'm connected with labs and the pharmaceuticals right now, I'm still doing all the paperwork with that.
0: Okay. So you have the basic structure set up, it sounds like.
1: Like yeah,
0: the legal structure, like everything is here. It's just now taking some action, just getting some balls rolling and getting
1: going, right? Yeah. Um,
0: Okay, so let me understand this real quick though. So you are going to open this up in Oregon.
1: Uh yes, I plan to open in Oregon. I'm right on the border with Washington I'm getting my license for Washington as well for like virtual follow-ups for example. I mean, it's I can see it from my kitchen, you know, it's across the river. So um so sure, I, why you know, not? Yeah, and it really opens up the I mean, cuz people come here for shopping, you know, like for Costco and stuff. Like they're the, it's it's like they live here. It's kind of part of the same town. So Right. Yeah. Well, there's no sales tax, right? Oh, yeah, you got that right. Yeah, that's right. Really- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah dude. Like you, come. Yeah, like when you live on a bordering state like that, because I, I, I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure Washington doesn't have income tax. So what you want to do is you want to live in Washington on the border, so no for no income tax, and just drive to Oregon to buy stuff.
1: <laughs> if people do that, they totally do that. That's exactly yeah, for like, sure. You nailed it. I'm surprised you knew all that. Yeah, that's correct.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's it's the great thing about living on a border state like that. Like you're yeah. basically paying no taxes. Like it's you know. crazy. Yeah, they save a ton. Yeah save a ton that saves you a lot of money but um oh, yeah. okay yeah i think it's a good idea get the um you know open it up in oregon so you have a license there and then get another license in washington too because why not it's right there you know right right yeah um okay. so yeah 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 so that's that's a good idea and you know that's going to take you a whole whopping 30 days to do you know okay, okay. yeah i think Wash. yeah i think washington's pretty quick with processing licenses if i remember correctly so okay. yeah you should be pretty good there Okay, so you got a website, you got that going, you have all of that. So, what's your budget like here? You said you had a little bit of money saved up.
1: Yeah, so I I wrote you an email and was saying like how I was you know trying to think of a way to to have some money to 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 make this happen. And so I you know with my wife, um, I said you know I read a book. It's called the uh, it's kind of it's kinda, it's an old book, The Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah. And it talks about you know saving ten percent, just ten percent, live on ninety percent. Anybody can save ten percent. You know. Yep. No matter what you make, you don't have to be poor. So kind of doing that for about, I don't know, seven, eight months, like saving 10%, I'll drop it into an account. Like it's exactly like 253.65, you know, like exactly every time. So I did that and I've gotten, I've saved now over 10K um, on that. So I got 10,000 to invest, you know, in this and myself and, you know, with my wife's also with my wife's permission. And I got some, I got some more funds than that if needed. I can dip into another five or 10 if I have to do too.
0: Okay. So anyone listening to this who is thinking about taking out a loan to start a business, don't do it. Like just yeah. be, di- yeah, just stay disciplined, save up 10 to 20% a month. And in three to six months, you have enough to start your own practice. Like it's not that difficult. If you yeah. can't save up five to 10%, you really need to take a hard look at your finances. Like,
1: Yeah, exactly. It, and, um, yeah, I had an epiphany. I told Molex, we were had this, uh, We're going to buy an electric Toyota from the dealer over here. And I had an epiphany. I'm like, you know how much that thing costs? That thing's crazy. We don't need that. And she agreed. And I said, what if I, instead of getting that, I save this 10%, you know, and invest in ourselves and make something happen with it. She was all on board about that and excited. So that's kind of what did it, you know? Yep. There you go. That's a a smart move. Instead of putting your money into something that
0: doesn't really provide you any value, doesn't appreciate, doesn't bring you to the next level. Instead, you're investing in yourself. You took some courses. You're starting a business like... Dude, that right there, you're going to turn that $10,000 investment into something that could potentially be worth a million
1: dollars. I'm excited about that. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. I mean, you can't make that kind of money. I mean, I could invest it in some long-term stuff and that's, that's a smart move too, but that's going to be later, I think.
0: Yeah, that's for more once you have the money, you know, like yeah. once you start making a lot of money, then you, have to start be, you know, then you have to start thinking to yourself, how do I preserve my wealth and now have my wealth start working for me? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so that's something that you kind of address, you know, you cross a little bit later. Uh, but once you're busy, biz- you know, you, you just have to get your business going, I get to generate that income first. That's yeah. it's, it, it's so important, right? You can't really invest money. if You don't have any money. You have to generate yeah. that income. Yeah. So you said you're what? 45. I'll be 45 in September. Yep. I'm 44. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So dude, listen, you start this, um, and you're smart with it and you really grow and scale it. There is no reason why you couldn't retire at fifty five years old.
1: You know, yeah, 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 that would be that would be really fantastic. Got yeah, ten years. I think that's a you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a hard worker, and um, you know, I, I I've got some business since I think I I think I can make it happen in this place. Like I said, is just there's nothing. There's no weight loss clinics. There's no men's clinics. There's no specialty clinics. There's no paid, pra- you know, um, cash practices. It's this this place can do. And I have access to. I've looked at the. The numbers, I think, within a 30 mile radius is maybe 100,000 people, something like that, 35,000. <laughs> and no
0: competition. There's none. Dude, you are sitting on a gold mine, okay? Yeah. You're you're, you're going to kill it. Like, you're, you're, you're just going to. Like, when I talk to nurse practitioners who are in a situation like this, where they look around, you know, within a 30 minute drive, you know, there's 50,000, 100,000 people and no competition. These are the nurse practitioners that I hear from later on. Who end up making, you know, getting to a point where they're making fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a month?
1: Oh yeah, I believe it's possible. You know, um, it is. Yeah, the the, the closest place is um, two hours away. Is you know, it's oh jeez. So oh, I mean, that's okay. or Seattle, four hours. So there's nothing. There's a few clinics there. But there's nothing out here. It's just a matter of time before somebody does it. Oh well, you need to get on it then, right? So yeah, that's yeah. why I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That's like something that you will regret for the rest of your life. I I've I've heard people say this before, like. I wish I would have just got out of the fear mindset. I wish I would have stopped being so damn scared. I wish I would have started that business because I didn't. And now this person over here did it. And like, they're so successful. I could be
1: there. I I could be that person instead, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a really great, I'm I'm glad you're saying that. I do do have fear, you know, there's like the fear of, I mean, if I lost the money, you know, that's fine. I can save up 10% again and save it up again. But it is the fear of like, you know, it's, You're telling people, I'm going to open a men's clinic. And then if you don't, you kind of fear like what they'll think if you aren't aren't successful, you know, you kind of fear that that's sort of, but it doesn't really matter what other people think, you know, like it's just, it's just fearful. It's, It's scary for sure. It is. It is, dude.
0: It's it, it's terrifying. Your first practice that you open up is a very, very anxiety producing event. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like it is. I remember I, I, I couldn't tell you how many countless sleepless nights I had during my first year being an entrepreneur. It's just part of it. Expect it. Expect waking up at one o'clock in the morning to go pee and not be able to go back to sleep because you're thinking to yourself, did I pay this bill? Did I pay that bill? you I do, I, do do I need to sign up for this compounding pharmacy? Like you just, things just run through your head. There's always going to be something that needs to be done with the business. A business is never a set it and forget it thing. Okay, mm-hmm. ever. So that first year, you it, it, it will be rough. But once you get through that year and you get your feet wet, and you begin realizing that there's really nothing to be truly scared about here. You'll end up sleeping better at night, and it won't bother you anymore. So Okay, that's yeah. good
1: to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, then, because from somebody who's been through it. Yeah, there is, dude.
0: Trust me, like you know, I'm five years now into my, you know, truly my my entrepreneurial journey, and dude, I could go start another business right now and go home and sleep like a baby. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: yeah. You know. You're you're of my brother. I have a twin brother who started a business in North Africa and you know, 18 years ago and he, he's started another one. He sold that one. He started another one. So like I said, he's, you know, he kind of gives me um some, you know, makes me feel like I can, I can accomplish it too. Yep.
0: Dude, if he can do it, all the other people can do it. You can do it too. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this whole fear of, you know, when do I get started? Kind of a thing is I know you were kind of you know saying that before we got started, you know, how do I, you know, how do I get started? Like just yeah. get started, just do it. Yeah, yeah. You can't become paralyzed with fear. You can't become paralyzed with you know this this analysis paralysis. You know, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, (laughs) just start. You like, dude, you're honestly right now. From what you're telling me, you're ready to go. You have your legal entity. You have all this stuff. You have the services like what you want to do.
1: You know, get your malpractice policy and get started. Okay. Okay. Perfect. That was kind of my question. Uh, was you know if I you know start with a hybrid model, can I start the the telemedicine part before I actually have a bricks and mortar location? You know, lease. Yes, going? for sure you can, absolutely.
0: But I mean, what's preventing you from getting a, a brick and mortar location sooner
1: than later? Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm still looking at the at the locations. Like the I have a I have three locations I wanted to ask you about. Okay, shoot. Okay, so um, the first. One location um, is in downtown. of uh, The town I live in is 10,000 people. It's a cute little downtown. You know, they got some buildings, office space, like old foul looking kind of like buildings. And there's some office spaces available. One is about 700 square feet, nice views of the water. Um, 1,100 bucks a month, 700 square feet. It's got a waiting room already. And parking though. Parking would be a little bit on the street. It can be, it can be hard during the tourist season. That, um, and there's no signage. Uh, outside, there are okay. there There's two nurses there who have a foot practice and like a, a chronic pain healing laser type something. But I don't quite understand it. Myofascial practice and there's a bunch of counseling services in that building as well. Okay, uh, so that's, just that's the
0: first location. Okay, so just pause right now. Throw it out. Parking situations will become a hassle. Okay, mm-hmm. trust me here. Like if there's not ample parking if people are having trouble parking, it will just end up pissing people off. It will just be problematic. You will hear complaints. Well, I don't know if it'll actually prevent people from just like leading you. I mean, once they're established, you're not going to really care that much. But like foot, just walk-in traffic. People want to just come in and ask questions. If they can't find a parking spot, what are they going to do? They're going to just drive off. And if there's no roadside frontage or roadside sign frontage, eh, you know, that could be problematic too. So
1: let's hear the other two. Okay, so the 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 second one um is... uh. There, it's in the same town, in the town I live in, a t- town of ten thousand people. There's piers, right? There's piers out into the water. It's called, it's on Pier One, so it's right, it's right, just the epicenter of like Washington, the the coastal towns down the coast that have like a lot, you know, similar amount of population people. Um, people drive here all the time for services. It has uh, several medical practices in there, counselors. Um, what that I told you about, the only person in town who has the uh, direct primary care concierge practice, he's in there. And there's an office space in there that's very affordable, it's 500 square feet, eight, uh, 800 bucks a month. Easy parking, tons of parking, beautiful views, water-facing windows. Uh, and it's and the cool thing about this spot is they'll build they're 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 building it out right now. They're like, oh, if you want to split up some walls, let us know now. We can put a couple walls in for you because it's just an open room right now, about 500 square feet, like I said. And so that's kind of a cool opportunity. And um, parking's easy, but again, you can have a decal in the window and. You know, people would see that when they're parking there, but, um, people aren't really walking by and like shopping, you know, in this area. It's kind of like on its own. Um, okay. Just on, yeah. And it's really, but it's a cool building, like really nice. Like, you know, people know there's medical stuff going on in there. Um, so that's the second location.
0: Okay. What's about the third?
1: Yeah. So the third, um, kind of got swiped from me. So I got it before I did. It was, so this is kind of what I think I should wait for. If I'm going to wait, there's a tail just across the bridge, um, in Oregon, and it's got about it's got Highway 101. It's got um, roadside visibility. It's got a bunch of Costco's there, Walmart, um, you know, fast food. Uh, there's little stores, you know, all combined next there, you know, real good visibility, you know, 100,000, 15,000 people a day go drive by um, for that for this area. That's pretty good. You know, a million people a year go through there. Another Another bunch of tourists from Portland and stuff are all driving by there. I mean, it's it's a huge visibility. There, there are actually there is some space. There are some spaces. They're too big though. I think they're like 2,000, 2,400 square feet, and they kind of get expensive at that price. You know, the, the place I was looking at was about thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred for eight hundred square feet, eight fifty, and that was the one I missed out on. Um, I didn't get there fast enough, but um, so that's the third area. How much is it for two thousand square feet? Oh, um, I think it's okay. They do it by the year through this other company, so it was, um, it was twenty dollars per square foot per year uh, divided by twelve. I think it came to about like twenty five hundred a month, something like that. Okay, for the ones that are available. Yeah, it's
0: expensive um, and it's kind of overkill. But like, if the practice becomes busy quickly, then the twenty five hundred dollars doesn't really become it's nothing, you know. Yeah, I like that
1: location the best out of what you said. Really good visibility. Easy, you can put a sign up. You know, it's like right near like AAA and, uh, and Costco right. and all this. Yeah, yeah. Fred Meyer, yeah. Costco. It's 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 a busy area. Yeah, yeah. Um, have
0: you called the property manager, the leasing agents, whatever, and asked if they would subdivide one of those into like a thousand square feet or anything? That's
1: an interesting question. I have I have emailed them all my questions and they've been really good, but I've not asked them that. No. Okay, so I would ask them that. I'd Be like, listen, I
0: only need one thousand to twelve hundred square feet. I love this. Can we work something out? Because to them, it's putting a wall up. It's not that big of a deal, right? You know? Right. But these are empty. These are empty. Like you, have to, you like you'd have to build it out.
1: Um, from what I can tell, i stopped in there and peeked in the windows. You know, um, just empty. Yeah, it's just kind of like open and empty. Um, just from what I can tell.
0: Yeah. So, okay. When you start doing a build out, costs go up considerably. Okay, yeah. you know your ability to open up one of these little niche practices for ten thousand dollars gets thrown out. Okay, yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 impossible. So you know if you follow the model. You know, you always want a, a low overhead practice, a simple practice, right? That's what you want. Okay. You know, if you had $30,000, dollars $50,000 to put at this, and if you lost it all, it wouldn't really stress you out that much, And I'd say go for it. Build it out. It's a great location. You'll probably make your money back in no time. But this is your first practice. You know, you got a budget of $10,000, $15,000, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Eh, I don't know if that kind of risk is necessary. And when you're talking about a build-out you're signing a lease for three to five years. So it just locks you into a considerable amount
1: of risk. I see. I see yeah. what you're saying.
0: Yeah, so I don't think that's a good idea. Like, it's a great location. If there was something already built out, you know, a thousand square feet, I would say jump all over it, right? But right. there is, there isn't, yeah. But my question is, is there anything else kind of like that? There's got to be. You only found three spots? Surely, to God, there's some other spots.
1: Well, there are a couple. So, um, uh, there's another building as you're crossing the bridge on the right by in the Walgreens, um, the Walgreens Shopping Center area that has uh, two two spots. um available i don't know if there's no sign up but there's paper like in the window so i can't see inside there um you know there's like a ups shipping little store there and there's like a little uh mexican restaurant and stuff like that so and there's a gym around the corner that a lot of people use for uh there's a fitness center kind of gym so that would be ideal i'm still trying to figure out who owns that property uh, because that's uh, i think from what i can tell from the size of the other uh establishments there that might be about the right size there too so that's kind of one spot i've been trying to research Okay, so
0: I would say I'd say Paul, sorry, you know, keep keep doing your research. I yeah, think that I you might be able to find something better. Like, you know, that one that's on the main road that doesn't mm-hmm. have great parking. Like that sounds like it'd be a pretty good spot, but if there's really no way for people to like drive by and kind of see your sign, mm-hmm. it kind of defeats the purpose of being on a main road. Okay. Okay. You know, like it kind of just yeah. defeats the purpose. Yeah, it does. it does. And then the second location, it sounds pretty good. But what worries me is, is that there's also a cash-based DPC practice in the same building. Mm-hmm. And so what what worries me about that location is what if that guy sees what you're doing, sees how busy you're getting, and then decides, hey, wait a second, I could do this too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know? it's, yeah. He, it's a small town for sure. I mean, right. word is definitely going to be out for sure, especially in the medical community. Right, right. And if he's, you're, our former, he's our former like CMO at our hospital. Okay, got
0: you, yes, and he sees what you're doing and it's like in the same building and he's like, who are you know, all these cars, see people going in and out of your office all the time, like it's gonna, you know, it's gonna raise his eyebrows, he'll be like, hey, wait a second here, like maybe yeah. I should be doing that, okay, so you might right. actually create a competitor out of it. You know, could that happen? Sure. I, I mean, is, would it happen, probably not, but you know, it's just something that crossed my mind.
1: So, Okay. Yeah. okay.
0: Sounds like you could use that as a backup.
1: That's a good backup. I have a question for you. So it is a small town and there is no other services like it. So I'm going to, when I get a bricks and mortar, definitely will pop up on Google, right? It'll definitely be on like the maps and on that, um, the ad and stuff. Um, And so will that be helpful? Do I need frontage, roadside visibility? If that's the case that my business, there's like, it'll be number one because there is nothing else. You see what I'm saying? Is that
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Right. So, my first mental health practice was in kind of a dumpy place on the wall. You couldn't see it from the road, you know, and we still got patients. I was able to scale that thing from zero to 20,000 bucks a month in, you know, less than six six months. You know, this was back in 2000 and uh, 2018, 2019. Okay. So, so I was able to do it. Yeah. I just made it, I just made it very easy for people to find me online and I advertise and stuff. Okay. So, Yes, you can. It can work. You do not need roadside frontage. Okay. You, you okay. don't. Not necessary. But okay. if you can find something with it, though, it will increase your patient volume. Sure. That so, yeah. yeah. So, think about it this way. I've said this before in a few other podcasts is that think about the increased cost of a place on a main road that allows you to have a sign, a good sign, not one of those little tiny three foot by two feet signs that go up on a big giant sign where there's 20 other businesses on it. People can't see that, right? Mm -hmm. An actual sign. If you can spend some more money on something like that, right? think about that extra cost as more or less part of your marketing budget because having that main sign out on a main road is essentially free advertising. So if that costs you $500 more a month, that's $500 less that you
1: need to spend on advertising. So it all ends up breaking even at the same, you know, at the end anyways, Does that make sense. That does make sense. And then you are definitely, you know, your advertising work is working because you don't know if it's going to work on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, Google, or you, you, know, you know, you know, it's a solid, a solid marketing because it's right there. <laughs> right. Like, yeah,
0: it's pretty hard to mess up a sign on a road. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> People are driving by, they see it. Like it's as simple as that. And I will tell you, dude, I get lots of people that could just drive into our men's health clinic because of just the sign on the road. Lots. Okay. When we moved from the hole in the wall to the place on the main road with the sign, patient volume increased okay. significantly too. Okay? Significantly. okay. Yeah. Now, let me give you two examples here. So my first men's health practice was in hole in the wall. We moved to a location on a main road and it went, you know, and it grew. It grew a lot. All right. Just because people started walking in, asking questions, they saw the name of the practice, they looked it up online. Okay, it's free advertising, and it cost us a whopping extra like two or three hundred bucks a month. Big deal. Mm -hmm. Right. My second men's health practice is in a little bit more of a hole in the wall area. It is, it's nice. It's a nice office, it's a beautiful office, but it's in more of like a medical park kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. There's no sign on the main road. And that second location has been slower growing compared to my first so i have to spend more money on advertising and i'm getting less of a return okay i'm confident if i move my second men's health location to something on the main road we would probably double our patient volume in a matter of three to six months yeah that's significant significant but the problem is where that second men's health location is there just is no locations on a main road that are available like ever <laughs> and yeah. if they are it's ridiculous it's like seven thousand dollars a month or something i'm not paying that so, um, so yeah. So, anyways, just kind of keep this in mind. It, it might not be a bad idea for you to keep looking, keep looking, just going around, just drive around. Don't rely on what's you know listed online. Just drive around. That's that's the best way to find an office. Is just to drive around and look. You know sure? What I mean? Sure.
1: Yeah. I do. I do. And that's a, that's a great, cause this is such a small town. A lot of people don't even really, they just advertise with a sign in the window. They don't really advertise any other way. They don't put it online or anything. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, look on Craigslist, look on Facebook marketplace, look on those, like <laughs> that's where I found my location.
1: was all Craigslist.
0: Oh. oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like. You'd be surprised what you might find on like Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Like you'd be surprised.
1: I'll check it out. Yeah. I do have yeah. one question just um maybe before we go to a different topic. Uh sure. Would you would you say like what's a time frame? Like you start this you start this hybrid model or the goal to start a hybrid model and I've got to say I got you know a couple of patients from get you know starting to roll with the with the online telehealth part of it. Um how long would you recommend waiting out for the right space to open up the right retail space? I mean like, is there a certain time frame I should say? Well, I think mean, it's about time to, you know, like, is there a patient number maybe? Like, what would you recommend? That's well, kind of a difficult question to
0: answer because yeah. it re- re- really depends on how busy, like, it, how busy you are. Like, let's, let's say you do this telemedicine, you just advertise locally and mm-hmm. you get up to 100 patients in a matter of just a couple of months. You're doing very well, yeah. you know, with very little you know, overhead, right? Mm-hmm. Right. but logistically it becomes more and more difficult. When you have a very large telemedicine practice with lots and lots of patients, uh, you have multiple people that are remote talking to each other. It can be a little more it can be difficult to juggle around and, and you know and keep it operational. So like at that point is when you'd probably want something in person, so you have you know multiple and medical assistants working for you there. Patients can come in, pick up supplies, pick up meds, you can, they can do injections, you know, et cetera. Okay. Um, you can do in-person stuff, vitamin injections, procedures if you want, you know, other things like that. So, um, so it's basically be one of those like you're pulling your hair out, you know, it being virtual is just becoming becoming bothersome. Um, you can not open up a hundred percent telemedic practice, and it could be, you know, a, and it could run smooth too. You do the, and then another, uh, you know, another scenario would be is that you do hundred percent telemed, you start advertising in your area. Facebook, Google, you know, et cetera, start getting the word out at gyms and stuff like that. Um, and it's slow going, you know, then it might be okay. Well, people just don't know you exist. That's the problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a, yeah. As I read the book, it's like, um, obscurity, you know? Yeah. They,
0: <laughs> right. They just,
1: just needed, they don't know that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They don't know you exist. Like it might be the most important thing going on in your life. No one else gives a shit. No one knows. <laughs> you no. Know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they just don't. Right. And so, yeah, uh, that's why it seems so dumb to have a physical location just for that Google business listing, but Google prioritizes local businesses, okay? Okay. So, when you look up men's health testosterone and you are located in my area, I will come up before any kind of advertised telemed practice will. Google prioritizes local. They just do, surprisingly enough. Hmm because of those google business listings their their algorithm their search algorithm prioritizes those google business listings okay but okay. you cannot have a google business listing without the physical address now some people get away with it um they get like a virtual address like on iPostal or something like that and they apply for a google business listing and they get approved that is rare but i have heard from some people who actually who have done that okay mm-hmm. But what Google does is that when you create your Google business listing, they send you a postcard with like a little code on it and you have to verify. So they mail it to you and then you have to verify. All right. I
1: see. Okay. Yeah.
0: And Google is getting smarter about virtual addresses and like they they flag things. Like you might apply for a Google business listing and put a virtual address in and it'll just be instantly like like not approved because they know it's a virtual address.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the advantage of having a physical location. You yeah. have that Google business listing, which automatically puts you on the map and it makes people easy to find you. So yeah. for that reason is why I think a hybrid practice is the best model. Plus there are I, just people who,
1: yeah, there are people who just like to shake your hand, you know? Mm-hmm. And I get that. I get that. And it's also for me, I feel like it's a good future proofing because you never know. And I might be wrong. I, I, I may not be in the know, but I mean, eventually the DEA might make it an in-person visit, you know, required for some of these services. Right, this thing's. I mean, it's 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 constantly changing, Yeah. constantly
0: evolving. You know, the regulatory framework is not set in stone. So yes, you're right. There's a risk being 100% element when you're prescribing a controlled substance.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think starting out would be fine, but the bricks and mortar and like also getting that ad that Google listing is going to be. I think it's going to be key, critically important, especially local people. Most people at the end of the
0: day like to stay local. They do. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, a big corporate telemed thing or corporate office or whatever, sure, that could work. I mean, obviously, it does work, but at the end of the day, a lot of people they like, they just like local. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I would much rather support a local business than a corporate business personally. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's, that's one of the other key parts of it. So if I was you, I would, you know, I would really try to hunt down that location. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and start telemed. Okay? okay, don't really spend a lot of money advertising or anything. Okay, get your account set up, get the EMR going, get your website up and running, get the basic business like done. All your consent forms are uploaded. All your intake forms are uploaded. Like everything from like the digital aspect of it. Uh, the administrative. The back end, everything is set up. Compounding pharmacy accounts, medical suppliers, et cetera. All of it's set up. You could technically see a patient, but you just need a place to see the patient. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So have that. Get that done. You're pretty much there, it sounds like. Just finish it out. Get your malpractice. Get all that stuff. And then maybe just start throwing the word out there, you know, in passing, go to a gym, hand out some flyers, maybe... Maybe just throw a Google search ad out there just to see what happens, and then while you're doing that, you know you'll probably get a couple patients trickling. It probably won't be anything crazy, okay? okay. But you get a couple patients trickling in, that'll help you work out any kind of kinks. All right, that'll help you, uh, you know, get the workflow done. Because I know you were kind of worried about that 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 patient flow. Yeah. And so if you start small like that with telemed, you'll you'll figure out that flow. You know, a patient calls or a patient schedule appointment online. You know, you order the blood work. They get the blood work done. Then you schedule the patient appointment. You see the patient. If it's just virtual med, okay, I'm going to schedule you for two months for follow-up. Then you go to the compounding pharmacy website, place the order for the med. It gets shipped to them. You know Ooh. what I mean? Like you figure out that flow versus it just hitting you in the face. If you open up a brick and mortar and you're just like, geez, I got 20 patients scheduled the first week.
1: Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot to, yeah, I, I love that. That's a great idea because that's kind of kind of what I was thinking just to kind of get things figured out, iron out the, you know, iron out the kinks and stuff for sure. Yeah.
0: There's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with getting started slowly so you can kind of figure out that workflow. Like I can consult with you, I can create a course on patient workflow and, you know, I can write an article about it, but at the end of the day, you just got it. Do it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, you know? yeah, I
1: agree, I agree. Um, when in that case, if you, I wanted to ask you so, if you do have a tele- um practice, like just telehealth, just virtually only, how does it work? Because the labs here, I'm connecting with the labs, and one of them said, you know, you don't have the patient volume yet to have a kill, so you just need to send us the order and we'll bill the patient or insurance. And you know, then I don't, my business then doesn't make money on lab work at that point, you know, and that's fine, but is that kind of how you would recommend starting out? I don't really, I mean, I could. I, I have an account with Access Pharmacy, but I don't have a bricks and mortar location yet. You know things like that. Like I have some local labs I'm connecting with.
0: I got you. So you have the Elite MP Access Discount Lab account set up. Yeah, with i have right. pretty much everybody on your list there. Okay, 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 perfect. So yeah, once you start getting busy, you know, use Access because you know they charge you. You you can charge the patient whatever you want. And they just bill you the the rates that are on that discount lab tab on the main website. Right. Right. And so they bill you a hundred bucks. You can charge a patient hundred fifty, two hundred dollars, right? You make a little profit. You can still do that. Telemed. They would just ship the patient out a lab collection kit, and then they would either go to lab corp or a uh, urgent care or something like that, and get it drawn, and then drop it in the mail, and then you get the results typically twenty four hours later. And that's through Access. Does that? That's still through Access, correct? So when oh, I, I was yeah, so when I was when, when I was operating my large telemed HRT practice you know, where we focus on transgender uh, care, uh, we use access exclusively and just the lab kits would get shipped out to their house and then uh, they would go to LabCorp. It's like a $10, $20 uh, draw fee. they go to LabCorp, get it done. And then LabCorp mails it back to access and then you get the results back. And like I said, 24, 48 hours, super simple.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. I didn't, I didn't
0: know that was an option. Very easy. You just get in the back end of access. You put the patient address in, they ship it to them. Nothing to it, man. It's very simple.
1: Okay, yeah, that's great because there, there is uh, there's there's like three places I found that will uh, we don't have LabCorp, but we have a couple other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So you can, you know, you could do that. Um, but setting up an account locally with a you know Quest or LabCorp or just a local lab or anything like that, yeah, you just have to call the account representative, set up an account. But if you want the volume for it, then sure, I get that. Uh, You just pay, basically you just hand the patient a lab order. you just write on a prescription pad, just give it to them, then go wherever they want. and Then they build their insurance. You, you don't got to fool with it.
1: Yeah. They sent me the, uh like the requisition forms. I could just fill out for, for patients. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. It's pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward.
0: Exactly. So, so you can do most of this telemed without a problem. So I'd say just get started slowly, but try to find that, you know, that, that right location, but I don't want you spending more than two to three months, man. Like, You have this business set up. You're right there getting started. It's just overcoming that fear and just pulling a trigger and just get going. But I wouldn't wait more than two to three months because the longer you wait, the longer you're just pushing, you know, you're just kicking the can down the road. You're just delaying. So, you know, you might not find that perfect location, but, you know, as long as it's decent, you can, you can get going.
1: Okay. Okay. That does make some sense. Now, I did have a question kind of related, sort of on the same um, sort of field or, kind of criteria category as the, as the labs. Um, when the, when the patient comes in and you dispense, cause we can dispense here. I'm still working out the logistics of that. Um, I do have my dispensing license. When you have a bricks and mortar location and you dispense to the patient, do you just send it for, or I'm sorry, do you just, do you primarily send from a compounding pharmacy to the patient's house? Or do you dispense from your location from like so, a, a clinic?
0: So we used to dispense testosterone. Yeah. Like the actual files we would buy in bulk. Yeah. Um. And we would just dispense it. Like you actually have to buy that from like a pharmaceutical distributor. You can't buy it from a combating pharmacy. Right. Um, right. right. Okay. So uh, we used to, but the paperwork, keeping track of all the invoices, the documentation, the DEA requires, like it just became a hassle as we got busier. it just it just started becoming a pain in the ass. So yeah. we stopped uh, dispensing controlled substances. But we still dispense non-control because that's super easy. All right. There's not really a whole lot of documentation or regulatory stuff you got to worry about. like there's with a, you know with a controlled substance. So yeah. uh, the controlled substances, we just have those shipped to the patient directly from the compounding pharmacy so that way we don't have to fool with it. But everything else, the non-controlled stuff, uh, we still dispense because the margins are better.
1: Okay, that does make that does make sense now. Um, do people still come to your clinics for in-clinic injections or is it mostly? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say easily 20-25% of our patients still come in for injections. And that
0: fluctuates. Sometimes it's 10%. Sometimes it's 20%. You know, patients come and go. It's just part right. of it. You know, don't take mm-hmm. don't take it personally when a patient just stops showing up and leaves. Like, it just happens. Expect it. So, yeah, somewhere between 10-25%. to 25%, It just really depends. So, yeah, a lot of patients still do come in for injections. Your goal, though, um, and this is for any kind of practice, is to teach the patient how to do it themselves. The last thing you want to be doing is wasting lots of man hours and time giving someone an injection subcutaneous when they can learn how to do it because there's nothing to it. You know, yeah, that's vitamin injections, testosterone injections, like it doesn't matter. So, you know, even the semaglutide, like teach these people how to do it themselves. Yeah, you know, get them out of your
1: office. It's 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 busy work. Yeah. Okay. Are you finding, just because we're kind of talking now, I know this is going to be published later, are, are there shortages from, you know, I'm starting to get sort of these cost sheets worked out, these, you know, kind of keep track of like, what is going to cost me, what I'm going to charge the patient. Are you having trouble getting some things like ACG and semi-glutide and things like that uh, for your patients? Or is it still possible to get those things?
0: Yeah, you know, we recorded this early summer of 2023. And uh, yeah, it's it's problematic. Combating pharmacies are behind There's shipping delays, there's, you know, supply shortages, like it's just part of it. The way you mitigate that is you have accounts with three or four places. Okay. And you have to just order. You like, you can't rely on one pharmacy or one medical supplier or one vendor. That's foolish, right? Mm -hmm. Multiple accounts, multiple places, one place is out of something, you order it from the other place. You just bounce around. My Mantel Clinic, we are constantly cycling between three or four pharmacies. It's just yeah. part of it. Okay. It's just part of it. It's it's part of it.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hell, any other questions? You sound like you're pretty much on top of it. You just got to get going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I, like you say, you know, and I've read in like multiple books on so just like taking action, you know, things will follow once you take action. So I've just been pretty much every day, just i at least make one phone call, one email, you know, right before we got on this call, I... I emailed a golf course, you know, just like, just did one thing, you know, just sort of keep things moving and, and going and, and just small steps to make this happen, you know, cause I'm, I, you know, I'm a busy guy. I got a, I got two young kids, even though I'm 45 and uh full-time job, you know, and you know, house and things. So I just take you a little bit every day and it's all coming together, you know, eventually.
0: Yay. You're doing the exact thing you need to do one thing at a time. And before you know it, you have a business, right? Like you've been mm-hmm. doing one thing a day. How long did it take you to complete, like, to, to finish this up?
1: Yeah. Um, not long at all. Once I really started taking actually a few weeks. A know? few weeks. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Right. A, a <laughs> few yeah. weeks. That's it. Doing one thing a day. That's yeah. literally it.
1: one thing a day. Yeah. And studying your courses in the morning about, you know, when I'm working out and then you know, if I, you know, take a hike or something or, you know, I'm doing chores in the morning, listen to the courses and listening to the podcasts and stuff like that. So I fit everything in, you know, <laughs>
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. see, and you did it. You took action. That's exactly what you need to be doing. And now you just got to take that final action and start Mm -hmm. seeing patients.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah. You're right there, dude. I'm not worried about you at all. You sound like you're fine. Like you got this.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I really needed that. It's starting to, you know, you wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh crap, what do I do? And you know, you get scared of a sudden burst of fear. And then you start listening to your podcast and researching again and writing emails and taking action. You kind of lose that fear. You so, lose that fear by taking action. That's exactly right. You just get out there and just do it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You just got to get out of that. You have to get out of your shell. Just that you know, it's just it's like meeting new friends. It's dating new people. Like just gotta yeah. get out there and do it. Once you start yeah. doing it, the anxiety and the fear go away. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you got this. You got this. So awesome. Um. Well, cool. I, yeah. Well, you've listened to the podcast before. I like to end uh, the episode with uh, you asking me a question. Is there anything that you're curious uh, about my life or my career or my work or anything?
1: Yeah. Um. Trying to think. I was trying to think of a really cool question. I mean. <laughs> I already kind of know what you like to do for activities. We're kind of both outdoors people. Uh, yep. you know, I know you had a family started and stuff like that. So like, once you, I guess one question is like, are you still finding, cause you're have multiple businesses now and do you still find time to prioritize, you know, time with family and, and things like that? I know you're pretty, pretty, probably pretty good at that. Yeah. Do you find that be challenging.
0: <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, I, I, yeah, my, my son's six months old now. And so, um, yeah, by the time this is published, he'll probably be like nine months. Uh, yeah. but uh, but yeah, but he he's six months, and so you know, I I look at him, and I you know the time I have with him, and I think back to myself. You know, would I've been as present as I am now three or four years ago? Like three or four years ago, I was juggling my men's health clinic. My medical cannabis clinic, my online HRT, you know, transgender practice. I was starting Elite NP. I was buying some rental real estate. I was working almost full time in an urgent care. Like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way I'd have been able to do all that and mm-hmm. be present. Impossible. <laughs> like, you know. Uh-huh. But now that I've scaled back, right? So I started all those businesses. I've sold some of those businesses. You know, I've closed down a business you know, I've, I've narrowed down my, you know, to really just two or three focuses now. And so I've built, I've built this up over four or five years. And so most of my businesses now work for me. And so now I have that time to truly be present, spend time with them, you know, with my wife and my son. Um, so yeah, you know, like it's, it was a work in progress, but it, like in your situation, you know, your kids sound like they're probably a little bit older. 40. Uh, Yep. Four and eight. Okay, so yeah. you don't. Yeah, so I mean, you still want to be a present dad, right? But oh yeah, it, it, it's it's probably going to be tough for you for the next six to twelve months. You know, it it will. But the light at the end of the tunnel, though, is is that once that business starts becoming successful, starts working for you more. You know, you'll be able to cut back at the urgent care and spend more time on your practice, which ultimately will increase your income and it'll give you back more
1: time, right? That's yeah. that would, that's kind of my uh, that's my plan. The urgent care doesn't know that, but um, that's my plan is to kind of scale back a little bit slowly. Not, I'll probably get yep. up the medical director stuff soon. Um, they have somebody else that might be interested and in, uh, and kind of scale back there and I'll have more, you know, because I'm pretty busy with that and then. Yeah, you will know, have way more time than for sure working on this and keeping things going and building yep. it up building part time, kind of like you did. Yep, dude, you'll be able, you'll you'll
0: you'll be able to get there in a year. Uh, I guarantee you. You got no competition. Like, sky's a limit here for you.
1: Yeah, thank oh. you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it seems like it. Yeah,
0: cool, awesome. Well, this was a great episode, man. I appreciate your time hopping on here, and uh, you know, please reach out to me. Six months from now, I really would love to do a follow up and see how uh, see how things are going.
1: Absolutely, I can't wait. That that'll be really exciting. See where yeah. I'm at and see. Yeah, I'll take your advice and put it put it into action. Awesome, cool deal, man. Well, I listen. I appreciate your time and uh, good luck. Hey, thanks a lot, Justin. I appreciate your time too. All right, no, no problem. Take care. Bye. Thanks.
0: All right, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode with Terry. It was a pretty solid one. We haven't really talked about uh, specifics on finding that perfect location. So, you know, his situation is that he's in the startup phase, right? He has the basic business set up, right? Like the PLLC, the accounts with the pharmacies, the EMR, the website, all that stuff. He has all that stuff set up. So now it's just basically executing and seeing patients, right? So it's not a bad idea to start telemed while finding that perfect location. Okay. You really got to find that perfect location. Hybrid practices are the best practices, in my opinion. I feel like that your patient volume will be higher in a hybrid practice than a telemed only practice. There are some people who do telemed only and kill it, right? I'm not saying that, you know, this is the exclusion. But yeah, a hybrid practice works best. So I think that him slowly kind of finding that spot while doing telemed for two or three months, I think that's a good strategy. Don't settle on the first location you see. Don't be emotional about this, like I talked about in the last episode, okay? Do not let your emotions make business decisions for you. Be objective. Be quantitative about the decisions that you make. Finding a location should be an objective thing. Is there parking? Is there a roadside sign frontage? How much is this? Do I have room to grow, right? There's lots of considerations to have when opening up your practice or even opening up a second location or expanding, okay? Really be thinking about that. All right, hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Quick legal disclaimer. The content of this podcast is meant for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used as legal, financial, medical, regulatory, or practice-specific advice. For information pertaining to your specific legal, financial, medical, or practice-specific needs, please be sure to consult with your lawyer, CPA, medical director, and or your state's practice laws and the most up-to-date clinical guidelines. As always, do your due diligence when it comes to any information found online and in podcasts. The content of this podcast is copyrighted by Galaxy Medical Southwest 2023 and cannot be duplicated, rebroadcasted, or reproduced without without our written permission.